today's shears Lilu Nishmas Frumat Ban Moshe Vasara. The today's daf is daf vov, but we're up to Hayamud Bay. It's five b. It's about ten lines from the bottom of the page. So Tanya, we learned to the brisa. I was careful about two things my whole life. As, uh, yeah, I worried about, took, took precautions, worried about two things my whole life. That my tefillah should be before my bed. And that my bed should lie from north to south. So the first thing he said is, I was very careful about to make sure that my tefillah was always before my bed. He says, what do you mean before my bed? That he would daven literally standing before his bed. I, his bed was there. He would get up and daven facing his bed. It says, How do we know that someone, when he davens, should not have anything between him and the wall? So, as it says, turned his face to the wall and he dove. And there's a whole story where Chizkiah got very sick because of certain virus, and he turned to the wall. Why does it mention to the wall? Because you dive and facing the wall. Okay, there's a bit of a discussion exactly what the reason is. One of the primary reasons given is not to distract you when you have things between you and the wall. But that can't be the only reason because some of the things are not. But, yeah, so we don't dive and you try diving with things. So why would someone, why would um, Abba bin Yomim be very careful to daven that his bed's in front of him. He's going directly against the teaching that you should daven facing the wall. He says, Don't say before his bed. Near in time to my bed. I, he would daven as soon after he got up. Now Rashi says a very interesting thing. He says, what does it mean? Somuchlamitasi means he was careful to daven straight after he got out of bed. Right near his bed. That I would not do any work and I would not learn any Torah when I woke up from my bed until I had said Kriyach Maya Davened. See, very interesting. Rashi seems to learn that there's even a problem to learn before Davening. Tosfos on that brings Rashi and then he says, Veloya Dati Minole. I don't know where Rashi gets us. Aval Raya de Shari Lilmona brings many, uh, he brings a few proofs that you definitely brings from Rav, that he would get up early and he would learn, etc. Many different sources that people would get up early and learn before davening. So he says it's very difficult to come along and say that um, you can't learn before davening. So interesting, Rav Salavechik, he goes into, you've got to analyze what's the problem with doing something before davening. Is the problem is the first venture of your day should be spiritual, well then it doesn't matter whether you're davening or learning first. You could learn before davening. And the only thing it would be also to work, to eat, to um, do other mundane matters uh, before you're davening. The other way of looking at it is, no, you shouldn't start your day till you've actually davened to Hashem, till you've davened to Hashem for success in your day. And then, yeah, you should, uh, then you shouldn't even uh, learn. But still, in our, way, our lifestyle, seems everyone's very encouraging to learn before davening, learn after davening, learn in the morning, learn in the afternoon, learn at night, learn whenever you get a chance. We're, never very, we're not very strict in, to say that you shouldn't learn at specific times. Um, 
Then he carries on and says, what was the second point he said he was careful about? He says, Lloyd, um, I was always careful to put my bed lying from north to south. Anyone who's careful to place his bed from north to south will have male sons. Literally what's hidden in the womb, but soft one can be north. If you put... Um, your the head north, your wife will womb will be filled with sons. Rabbi Nachman Yitzchak Komer Afay Nishto Ma Peles Nefolim. She also won't miscarry. Ksiv Hacha Betzun Fot Tamalei Bitnom. Ksiv Hosam V'Yamale Yomeh Hololedes V'Hinei Tumim B'Bitno. She filled. She reached a full term with the twins. Okay, so we see two sources, two advantages of putting your bed from um, north to south. I don't, this is brought in Shulchan Aruch, so I just wanted to check the source. Um, it is brought in Shulchan Aruch, but uh, it's brought in Siman Gimel. The first three, the first few Simanim in Shulchan Aruch we treat as Midos Chasidos. I like pious practice, and we not necessarily, don't want to say all the halachas, but most of those halachas we're not so careful with. So I wouldn't stress too much if your bed's not from uh, north to south. Tanya Abba Binyomim Oimer. Abba Binyomim taught Shnaim. This is the same Tana who taught us the pre- who we were just discussing. The, the, the yeah, the same person who we were just discussing the previous points. That's why I bring it here. Shaim shenichnu silispalil v'kadam echon mehem lispalil. If two people go to shul to daven and one of them finishing finishes davening before his friend, velohim tim es chaveira and he doesn't wait for his friend, v'yotza and then he and he leaves without waiting. Torfin loy tefilasa b'fanav they tear up his tefilah before him. Shenemar as it says, Torev nashav apa hamelach tazov oret. V'lo od not only that ela shekorim neshchinah tishtalek misrael he causes the shchinah to leave bnei israel because the pasuk continues shenemar vayetak tzurim kamo he uproots the rock from its place. Va'ein tzur ela akodesh bolchu shenemar tzur yelad choteshi. So we see it's very very severe. Um, the easiest explanation of this is in they used to have their shuls outside of the city in the fields and therefore to leave someone there many learn this is specific Marif, but to leave someone there alone is a bit dangerous because he's out in the out in the open at night he has to walk back to town so if so if someone's two people are there doubling and then the one person leaves, the other person is going to get nervous and he's going to be very distracted and he's not going to be able to daven properly. So, since he's not able to daven properly, the person who left him there, his tefillahs won't be accepted. So, I think, here, the way I explained it, I mean, there are different chapters, but the way I explained it, it's got to do with he gets distracted because he's nervous outside of the field. There's no real reason if you're sitting at the table benching and someone leaves for you to get distracted. I guess if you're waiting for a lift or something or then it is. Um, I would say Derek Eretz is if people are, if you ate together and people are still benching, I think the allowed thing to do is to wait because you will, if you start getting up and clearing the table or leaving, you will distract uh, those who are still davening. So I'd say the correct thing is not to, but I don't think it falls into this halacha. And what's the reward for someone who does wait? So you get the following if you listen to my command, it says, you'll have shalom flowing like a river, and your righteousness will, will be like the waves of the sea, and your descendants and progeny will be like the sand. 
Right? So a lot of, uh, it seems a very special thing to, again, it's a hard thing to do. You finish davening, the last thing you want to do is wait another five, ten minutes for the person you're there with to finish davening, but there's great reward for doing that. Another teaching by Abba bin Yomim. If we were able to see the mazikin, we would not be able to survive because of the... We would not be able to handle the number of demons around us. They're much more than us. They're like the sand piled up next to a pit. I said, we're like a small thing standing in a pit, and you look up and you just see all the, the sand and the thing around you. That would be, if you looked, could see demons, that would be the vision. That's how many you would see. Each one of us has about a thousand demons on our left side and a ten thousand demons on his right side. Are they expounding how me that there's a huge number of demons and spiritual forces going on around us that we're not aware of? Yeah, we're going to read about the color a few times in this stuff. The color was a special public drosh. It seems they had it specifically either on Shabbos or before the regalim, like the, the rav would give a special drosha just before the Shalash Regalim, just before Yom Tov or special occasions. So at the Kali, if you feel, if it feels claustrophobic, it feels like a, there's part of small space and you look around and there are not that many people, Minayu Havu, from demons. Hani Birche de Shali Minayu. If your knees start to ache, it's from demons. Hani Mani Drabon and the Bolu, Mukhufya Didhu. If you see the, this that we find, the clothes of Talmidei Chachomim, Start to wear down. It's from demons rubbing up against them. Why? Because you never. Why should the clothes of a Talmud Chacham who just sits and learns all day become worn? Understand someone who does manual labor or someone who's you know someone who's working, electrician or something like that. His clothes get worn. But why should a Talmud Chacham's clothes get worn? Must be the demons. Honey, cry the menachvon. If someone's feet get pain, minayu. It must be from the demons. Um, yeah, all these things, I mean, interesting, we would call them natural phenomena and stuff, or um, what's, or uh, mental issues, uh, claustrophobia, or uh, um, just uh, general wear and tear of items, you know, it's not just uh, clothes wear down naturally from your body rubbing on them, from the chairs, etc., but they, they attribute it to demons. The big question, do demons exist? We know the famous... Um, many have heard of the famous Rambam that it's all nonsense, there's no such thing of demons. You know, the others, and amongst them, the Grah, oppose the Rambam vehemently and say, look how many Kumaras discuss them. But interest, Rav Yaakov Kamenetsky has an interesting explanation. I don't know if he's trying to explain the Rambam, but I think that would help us at least understand all these Gomorrahs we read about demons. He says that the higher, when the Jews were on a higher spiritual level, that they could have Nevoah and Ruach HaKodesh, etc., so to the spiritual, they were also, they were, they were affected by Nevoah and uh, good positive spiritual things. They were also affected at the same time by the negative spiritual forces, demons, etc. However, as the, our generations and our levels went down and our, guess, let's call it our spiritual capacity, our spiritual awareness goes down, so too, not only is it in the side of Nevoah and Ruach HaKodesh, etc., it's also in the side of um, Demons and these other things that we find. Yeah, and that's uh, 
that there's always this uh, balance that you can, I guess, if you're more spiritual in time to go to Hashem, you'll also have the challenges of being spiritually drawn in other directions. If you want to know, verify that they're demons, if you want to become aware of demons, spread fine ash around your bed, and in the morning you'll see chicken footprints in them. Um, demons have feet like chickens. What happens if, if, if you want to see the demons that tell you how to do that? It says, Get a, the afterbirth of a black cat, the daughter of a black cat, who was the firstborn, the daughter of a firstborn. Um, burn it and grind it and place a little bit in your eyes, and you'll see them. What should you do with the remnants? The parcel of Dilma Ganvi Minai, but seal it very carefully in a tube, and seal the mouth so that the demons don't damage you. Demons, Rashi explains, don't have power over things that are wrapped up and sealed. So the leftover, this uh, potion that you made to put in your eyes so you could see the demons. Be careful to put it away very carefully. I'm not sure what the demons are able to do with it, but it seems like if they had power over it, they had some sort of power over you. Rabbi Barabaya did this. He saw the demons and he became damaged. And they davened for him and he became, uh, he recovered. Doesn't tell us what the damage is, but I was thinking maybe it's along the lines of uh, the terror it left him. Uh, paranoid and things like that because he saw all these hundreds and thousands of demons around him had left him a thing and they davened and he recovered. Tanya Abba bin Yomim Omer, another teaching of Abba bin Yomim. Ain't tfila shel Adam nishmas elo beveis The tfila of a person is only heard if it's in a shul. Shinema rishmo el arino vela tfila to listen to the song and the tfila. B'mokom rina shomtei tfila. Where there is rina, Irashi explains, in the shul where the tzibur say shirois v'tishpochos, that's in a pleasant voice. That's where you find. Uh, that's where your tefillas are answered best. Okay, big discussion in the poskim. What the priority? So we see davening in a shul is a very high priority. Interesting enough, um, yeah. The tosfos seem to tie it more to davening in a minion in the shul. But so the shul, what happens if you have a choice between? So on the surface, if you have a choice between a minion in someone's private home or a minion in the shul, definitely go to the shul. There's a special mile in davening to the shul. Other toss-ups, okay, we could have to go into the poskim. But one interesting time where they waived this is where you davening at a base ovel, or if there's a sheva brachos and you're going there, so to daven with a minion there, where through chesed you're davening somewhere else so that other people can get a minion they wouldn't normally be able to get, that you're definitely allowed to daven in those places as opposed to going to a shul. How, um, how do we know that we find Hashem in a shul? As the Potsuk says, Hashem stands amongst the congregation. How do we know that the Shechina is among, if you find ten people davening, the Shechina is amongst them? Hashem stands in the congregation of God. Um, Ada, we learn from the spas, says, Ada haroazos, this evil congregation. Remember, there were ten evil spas, so we see Ada, whenever the word Ada is used, it's referring to ten 
men. So in a shul, that's how we know a minion or Hashem is amongst ten people. How do we know that the three sitting to issue judgment? I based him. The shechin is amongst them. Shenemar, as the pasuk says, but kerev Elohim yishpot. In the midst of Elohim will be judgment. Elohim often refers to judges, but it can also refer. It also refers to Hashem. How do we know that if there are two people sitting and learning, the shechin is amongst them? Shenemar, as the pasuk says, Oz nidburu yirei Hashem. When the when those who fear Hashem are speaking, Ish el Ra'ehu, each man to his friend, Vayakshev Hashem, Hashem pays attention, Hashem listens. My Oh, what does it mean later on in the Pasuk where it says, and those who think about his name? Just it's just later on in that Pasuk, that's why we just want to clarify what it means. So Omar Ravashi, Khoshav Adam Lasois mitz, those who think about Hashem, it means those who think to do a mitzvah, they plan to do a mitzvah, Venanas Villa Asu. And Oinas happens and they're not able to do it. Mala the Pasuk considers it as if they've done it. The if you're just thinking about Hashem, thinking about doing it, trying to do His mitzvahs, obviously sometimes you try to do a mitzvah and you can't uh, do it. You think to get to, to the simple example, you rush in to get to Shul and you get stuck in traffic. That's Oynes, okay, if you're negligent that you should, but you get stuck in traffic, that's Oynes. It's as if, in a way, the Apostle considers that if you did it. That's for How do you know that even one person who's sitting and delving into Torah, the Shechin is with him? Shinemar, as the Apostle says, Every place where my name is mentioned, I will come there and I will bless you. We always say that Torah, there's a famous Midrash that's brought in a few places, that Torah is composed of Hashem's names. So Azkir Echmi, mention my name, is another way of saying learning Torah because all of Torah is uh, it's called a combination of Hashem's name. And wherever that happens, Hashem comes and blesses. So the Gemara asks, Once the Torah mentions that, even if there's one person Hashem learning, Hashem comes, why does it have to bother and mention that Hashem also found when there are two? Obviously, if there's one person sitting and learning where there are two people learning, there's definitely Hashem Shechina. So he says, no, train is michtovon milayu besefer azichronos, chad loy michtovon milayu besefer azichronos. He says, no, when there are two people learning together, Hashem writes down their chidushim, Hashem writes down what they're learning. So if it's just one person, the Maharshal says it's because when there are two people learning, you reach a greater level of clarity because you discuss it and you make sure each understand it, which reaches where it's just one person learning, you can overlook obvious things. Um, that's the advantage of two over one, and Hashem writes it down. Tosos asks, interestingly, don't we say that every single deed and action a person done is, is written in a sefer? Okay, I'm not going to go into Tosos' answer now, but Tosos does address that. It says, Once you've mentioned that we find the Shechina amongst two people learning, why do we bother to mention that we find the Shechina even where there are three people? It says, no, You might have thought that a judgment has no Kedusha, it's just to keep the peace. And therefore, there's no need for the Shekhinah that a judgment rend, uh, issued by Basin is also considered Torah. So, even Dayonim debating and reaching a verdict, there Hashem is found amongst them. It's not just a technical, practical procedure to keep uh, peace in society, it has Kedusha in its own right. Once we've mentioned that there's Hashem Shechin is even amongst three people discussing Torah, why do we need to mention that we find the Shechina by ten? So no, there's a special dimension of Shechina by ten people. If there are ten people are going to gather, the Shechina goes ahead. 
and waits. If they're three people, then it waits hush, the, only when they start sitting together and deliberating does the Shekhinah come. Okay, just before we go into the next piece, just to understand a little bit, one of the representations of Tefillin, we're going to go into, we're going to mention that Hashem wears Tefillin. So let's just understand the correlation between saying we wear Tefillin and Hashem wears Tefillin. So Tefillin represent a special dimension of our connection to Hashem. We tie, we bound ourselves to Hashem. That's what it represents. We tie and we're bounding our body, our mind, the head one corresponds to our minds, and our hearts to Hashem. And you know, it represents our dedication and our devotion. And therefore, when we come along and say Hashem wears tefillin, we're saying that Hashem is also dedicated and devoted and thinking about us. This is Omar Avin, Omar Rebi Avin, Omar, sorry, Omar Rebi Avin Baravada. Avadim Baravada said, Omar Rebi Yitzchak, Minan, Shakosh Bochum, and Eich Tefillin. How do we know that Hashem wears tefillin? Shenemar, as it says, Nishba Hashem Bimino, Uvuzroa Uzo. Hashem swears by his right hand and his strength is in his left, in his arm. Biminozu Torah, his Yemino refers to Torah, Shenema Mimino, Eshdosh Lamo, from his right hand he gave us a fiery law to his people, Ubizro Uzo, Eilut Tfilin. The Apostle said, Ubizro Uzo, that refers to Tfilin, Shenema Hashem, Ozlamo Yitain, Hashem gave strength to his people. Uminayin Shem Ispal Shehi Shatfilin Oz, the Haim Israel, how do we know that? Tefillin gives strength to the Jews, or a power of the Jews. The Siva, as it's written, All the people of the world will see that Hashem is called over you, and they will fear before, tremble, before, they'll be afraid before you. explained, These are the Tefillin Shabarosh, your head Tefillin. They say practically your head feeling because your head feeling are, are visible, so when non Jews see you wearing your head feeling connected to Hashem in that way, they'll be afraid of you. What's written in Hashem's Tfilin? Okay, it's all very well to say Hashem wears Tfilin, but what's written in his Tfilin? What's written in our Tfilin? So, written in our Tfilin is, well, the two paragraphs of Shema, etc., remembering Yitzhak and Shrine, remembering the mitzvahs and that we want, to, we, love, we want to serve Hashem and we love Him. So, our dedication to Hashem. So, Omar Lay, what's written in his Tfilin? Who is like you, one nation in the land? Is it really a praise for Hashem? To praise Yisrael. So in, yes, Tilsiv as it's written, Es Hashem He'emarto Hayom, Vashem He'emirko Hayom. You have confirmed or praised Hashem today, and Hashem has confirmed and praised you today. What does that mean? You have made me a single entity in the world. So I will make you one entity in the world. Um, you've praised me with the greatest praise of making me unique and the one entity of the world by saying Shema Yisrael Hashem Elokeinu Hashem Echad Hashem is one therefore I will give you the praise of making you a single entity in the world it says who is like my like your nation Yisrael one nation in the world so that's the praise it is there is a dimension of praise for Hashem that B'nai Yisrael are praised. And that is what Hashem has written in his tefillin, that he's aware of the uniqueness of B'nai Yisrael. 
Okay, you've explained what would be written in one compartment, what would be written in the other compartment. How many compartments do Tefillin have? Four. So we've only explained one. So he says, yeah, you're right. He says, me, you're right. So he says, Amale, ki mi goi godol, u mi goi godol. The two psukim of mi godol and mi goi godol. Again, it's one Tehillim, but it's two separate psukim. The one is that... Who is this great nation that Hashem is, that is so close to Hashem, etc.? And the other one is, who is this great nation who has the chukim umishbotim and the Torah, etc.? Then he says, Asherchu Yisrael. Another posuk that he has in his tefillin is Asherchu Yisrael. Again, who is like you, the special nation? And then the third one, Elohim, has, has, has God ever done such a thing before? That's take one nation, to take a nation out of another, to save, to do Mitzir's uh, Mitzrayim. And then another posse that's written in his Tefillin, Ulesitcha Elyon, I raised you above all other nations. So the awesome that says, Now you've just mentioned a whole lot of different compartments. You mentioned about six or so. So he says, Elo, no. Kimi goi godol, umi goi godol, dadi, the two psukim of mi goi godol are very similar to each other, bachad beisa, so that's in one compartment. Ashrechu Yisrael, umi kam Yisrael, bachad beisa. The two psukim of Ashrechu Yisrael, umi kam Yisrael are also in one compartment, so that's two compartments. Oh, hani soi lokim bachad beisa. Oh, hani soi lokim is in the third compartment. Ule sitcho elyon bachad beisa is in the third compartment. Vekulu ksivi baadraya, and they're all written on the armed filling. Interesting, our tefillin also. In our head tefillin, we have four separate compartments with four different parishes, so to by Hashem. In the arm tefillin, all the parishes are written on one parchment and rolled up. So that's also in Hashem's tefillin. They are, the, the, the commentary is going to, that sounds a bit obvious, what's the Gemara coming to tell us, but let's go on. Yeah. Going back to the, the importance of davening in a shul and... Um, yeah, going back to that discussion, Omar Rabin Bar, Ada Omar Yitzchak, Kol Harogu, Lovel Beis Aknesis, Velo, Bo, Yom Echod. Anyone who normally goes to Shul and one day he doesn't make it, Akadosh Bohu Mashiach Bo Hashem asks about him. Shinema says, Mi Bochem Yore Hashem Shome Bokol Avdo, who amongst you who feared God, I went to Shul all the time, Shome, and he listened to the servant, and I listened to the voice of my servant, Hashem Holach. That we can't, that he's not here anymore. Where's he gone? So, so Hashem starts looking. Someone who regularly goes to Shul and he's not there one day, Hashem inquires, where is he? And if if he's gone to do a mitzvah, then Hashem shines light for him. However, if he's gone for a shus, then he doesn't get light. Here they seem to explain Rishus as he uh, um, um, as he goes to on a business venture, he goes to do work. It says Yiftach Bashem, the Posak says he should trust Yiftach Bashem Hashem. My time Hashem, the He should have trusted in the name of Hashem and he doesn't trust. I it's all very so Hashem looks this guy he always comes to Shul Hashem asks about him inquires about him we see he's on a he's a special level someone who goes to Shul every day Hashem has a special interest in that dimension of his life and he's not there one day so Hashem says what's going on he looks if he's gone to do a mitzvah wonderful what happens if he's gone no I've got a work meeting I have to stay uh, late at work or something like that 
And Hashem says, well, you should have trusted in Hashem. My father, in one of his shirim on davening, said uh, an amazing, amazing point that we should think about. He says he doesn't understand why people, how, or how can you rush your davening to go do the, whatever you need to do the rest of the day? Remember, everything you do the rest of the day, all your ventures, all your, everything you try achieve the rest of the day is up to, dependent on your davening. So I think that's similar. Yeah, Hashem's saying, you're going on a, you missed shul to go uh, on a, to, to go on your, for your personal needs. You should have trusted in Hashem, trusted in Hashem and through your davening that that would bring about the success and not have to leave early. Omar, um, no. if, um, if you go to another shul, or you go, uh, to, you know, receive, you know, the shul, mm. you so then you'll find where you are and you'll realize you had shul, so that's fine. Yeah. Um, again, it's metaphorical. Again, Hashem doesn't have to like look for us. It's uh, metaphorical that it's, there's a special dimension. Someone who davens in a shul every day, he gets the status of Yore Hashem, and Hashem has there's a special connection to Hashem. Yeah, we'll see that later on in this page. Um, sorry, when Hashem comes to shul and he doesn't find ten people ready, miyadu he gets angry. Shneimar says, madua ish. He says, why have I come? There's no one calling out and no one responding. There's no Shriyat Sibur and no one answering to the Shriyat Benji, Everyone who has a set place for his davening. Hashem will help him. The God of Avram will help him. When he dies, they mourn him saying... What a humble person, what a pious person. He's one of the students of Avram Avinu. How do we know that Avram had a set place to Davin? Do you see as it's written? Avram got up early and he went to the place where he stood there. When it says someone stands there, it means that they were Davining. Pinchas stood and he Davined. Yeah, so there we see the mitzvah of having a set place to daven. Big discussion. Interesting enough, we generally learn that in your shul, where you daven, you should always daven within the same area, within the same Dalit Amos. Seems that added dimension of is it gives a added level of respect. It shows your tefillah is a set aspect in your life. It's not haphazard. I'm just going to stumble into shul and just sit and daven. No, you go to your set place and you and have the respect and the dignity to have a, um, always the same uh, place. Interesting enough, I think it's Rabbeinu Yonah learns this specifically at home. In shul, you don't need a set place because the shul is your set place to daven, but it's only at home. But we paskin that you should try always daven in the same place in shul, at least within Dalit Amos, within about two meters of, your, of where you normally daven. When you're leaving shul, don't leave with big steps. Omar, and that's almost like run, don't run out of shul. This is leaving shul, but when you're going to shul, you should run. Take as big a steps as possible. Shneimar says, Hashem. You should rush, run to know Hashem. When I used to see the students running to the shir on Shabbos, I mean, look at all these students breaking Shabbos. You're not allowed to run on Shabbos. The Pesach says, let's read it. Um, uh, 
you should also rest your feet. We don't walk in the same way on the week as we walk on Shabbos. In the weekday you rushed and you ran, but on Shabbos you should be more relaxed and uh, calm, and therefore you're not allowed to run on Shabbos. And if he says, I used to see all these students running to the shir on Shabbos, I used to say, look, they're mechalim Shabbos. Kilein deshoma lahodar Rabbi Tanchon, Amr Rabbi Yishev ben Levi, la'olam yorutz adam ledvar halacha. But then I heard the teaching of Rabbi Tanchon that he said, in the name of Rabbi Yishev ben Levi, that person should run to hear the halachas. I feel about Shabbos. This is even on Shabbos. Shneimar is a pasuk says, Acharei Hashem leichul kari yishak. You should run after Hashem like a roaring lion, just like a lion would run off to pursue its prey. You should. Uh, you should run to hear the words of Hashem. Ananamiretna, then I also started to run. So there's a dispensation, it seems, for running to shul, running to hear a shir, running to learn Torah. That would be, never mind, mutar on Shabbos, that would be a mitzvah. Omri Bizeira, Agra Dipirka Rehita. The main reward for going to shul is the running to shul. To going to hear the shir is running to shul. Rashi explains, and most people, when they rush to hear the drosh in shul, they don't necessarily understand it, but they get reward for the even and even if they don't understand it, they get reward for the effort they're putting into going to hear the shir. Omar Abaya Agra the Kaladuchka. Abaya says the effort, the the reward for listening for the, the reward for going to shul, remember the colour, those special um, special occasion droshes, the reward for that is the 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 squashiness. It's not always so pleasant to go to shul when there's a big shear and it's going to be squashy and you're going to struggle to find a seat and there's going to be someone half sitting on your lap. But that's half the, that's, there's a lot of reward in that. And Omarava Agra the Shmaisa the actual reward for, for the sugya, for understanding the concept, that's the Svara, that's the analysis and the debate. I many learn, not necessarily the bottom line. You think, I'm going to go to a whole shear, what's the bottom line of the shear? What's the bottom line of the halacha? You've told me Rabbeinu Yonah, you've told me the Rambam, you've told me Rashi and Toysos. Now one answer, what's the bottom line? Says so that's not necessarily where the reward comes in. The reward comes in laboring to understand and work out what they're each saying, why they're saying it like that, etc. Um, just for Dafyomi, I think that's important. Often there's a lot to gain from a Dafyomi issue, but often it's too quick and some of the concepts we don't have time to go into properly and some of the concepts or over our heads unless we have time to delve into them. But it says, Agra de Pirka the reward for going to a shir is the effort you put into going. Okay, uh, maybe that, a little bit of chizuk for Dav Yomi. Oma Rebbe Zayr, so we read there. Now carry on with this theme of uh, discussion. Omar Papa Agrid Ve Machish Tikuso, the reward for going to a house of mourning is silence. It's not always a mitzvah to go into a house of mourning and speak. Sometimes the comfort you offer just by sitting there silently is where you will get your reward, not necessarily for entertaining them or being the the life of the party. Omar Mazutra Agrid Tanisa Tsudakoso, the Reward for a fast day. What's the primary benefit of fast days? The tzedakah you give. They used to specifically give tzedakah so that the poor people who fasted would have a meal. Well, I guess either to start the fast or end the fast. But that's the primary reward for the fast day. Omar Avchesh's Agra de Hispeda Tiluye 
the reward for a hesped is getting people to cry over the mace. That's the covered mace. And Omar Ravashi Agra Devei Hilula Mili, the reward for going to a wedding is the words you say. You know the famous uh, phrase, Ketad Maraktim Lifne Akala, how do you dance before Akala? And then the, the continuation of that Gomorrah is you say praises about the color to the Chosen, etc. So the words you say that issue the, the, I guess that engender endearment between the bride and the groom, that's the primary reward. I think what these Gomorrahs, I think one thing for us to think about is. When we're approaching an occasion, and there are lots of things we do ritualistically, and we do because we have to, and we, for whatever motivation, we've got to keep, keep in the back of our minds, am I on track? What's the reason I'm doing this? What should be my motivation? And is it what Hashem would want? Sometimes we do things because, for our own reasons, is it in line with what we're supposed to be doing? Omar Avuna Kolam Rav Huna says anyone who dives behind the shul, Nikra Rosh is called the Rosh. Shneemar, as it says, Saviv Rishoim Yisaleichun. Rishoim turn about. Omar Abayla, Omar and Ella Deloma Hadar Apayla Baiknishta. This is where he does not turn his face to the shul. Avamahadar Apayla Baiknishta, Laislon Po. There would be no problem with it. Okay, a little bit uh, difficult to work out exactly the scenario, but let's assume someone's standing outside there and davening towards the shul. They're, they face, if they still face in the shul, that's fine, they're not a rosh. But if they would be davening there and facing the other way or standing there and turning their back to the shul, that's a rosh because it shows no consideration, no respect for the shul and what's going inside the shul. There was someone davening behind the shul and he wasn't facing the shul. Eliyahu Novi was passing by and he appeared to him as a as a merchant, Arab merchant, is this how you stand before your master? Sholaf Safrevakatla, he drew his sword and he killed him. One of these sages said to Rabbi Bar Abaye, and some say, Rabbi to Rab Nachman Bar Yitzchak, my Krumzulus Livnayodom. What does it mean, Krumzulus Zulus? Livnei Adam, literally, um, when vileness is exalted before people. This is the continuation of the pasuk we mentioned earlier. That's what it's brought here. So Amalei Elud Varim Shaimdim Baruma Shel Oilam Uvnei Adam Azazim Bahem. This refers to things that are most lofty, Ruma Shel Oilam, most lofty concepts and principles that people degrade. I, someone who buys a shul and he turns his back on the shul, going on inside of shul is tefillah. Tefillah is one of the most lofty spiritual things that we have, and he's showing no disrespect for that. So that's the first understanding of Kurum Zulus. It's referring to someone who needed to rely on other people, I took alone. And then you'd understand. Um, yeah, those who the Rishoim who go about is there's an issue if someone lends a Jew money to cross their paths too often because they feel guilty every time they see you, so you're not supposed to do that. And then, so that's the first part. That's how you'd understand the first part of the pasuk. We initially understood that part of the pasuk referring to turning your back on a shul. Now we understand a different chat in that pasuk is it's a Rosha is someone who constantly crosses paths with the person he who owes him the money. And then it continues, Kurum Zulas Livnei Odom. That's referring to Ponov Mishtanos Kakrum. 
His face changes like a krum shenemar perum zulas nimnaorom. He feels a lot of embarrassment, as we'll see um, now. It says, Rabbi, um, my krum, what is krum? So, ki osar avdimi omar oif echod yeish bekriche ayom. There's this bird overseas, the krum shemo, it's called a krum. When the sun shines on it, it changes in its shades, it shimmers. So, so too, someone, a karum zulas, a person who's had to rely on other people, his face changes, he gets embarrassed. This person has two judgments against him. When you place a person over your head, I when you borrow money, you are you'll be you'll fire and water will be brought upon you. I two different types of judgments. A person should always be careful with mincha. Eliyahu was answered only at the time of Mincha, as it says, When the time of Mincha arrived, Eliyahu approached and he said, Answer me, Hashem, answer me. Answer me that fire should come down from heaven and accept my sacrifice. And answer me that they don't accuse me of witchcraft. This was the famous challenge Eliyahu issued to the prophets of Baal. He said, you take a bull and build an altar, and I'll take a bull and build an altar, and whoever's God uh, accepts our tefillah. Don't want to go into the whole story now. But basically, Eliyahu at Mincha was when Eliyahu davened to Hashem and he was answered. So we see there's a special power at the time of Mincha. Rabbi Yochanan Omar Aftfilas Arvis. Rabbi Yochanan said, even Marit, Shenei Marit says, Tichon Filosi Ketoris Lefnecho Mas As Kapai Minchas Orev. Accept my tefillah as a katoiris before you when I raise my hand as a gift in the evening or as the evening offering. I Erev. This is all referring to nightfall. Rav Nachma Yitzchak Omar Tefillah Shachris. Rav Nachma Yitzchak says, even Shachris. Shenemar is the Postuk says, Hashem, regarding Hashem, Boiker Tishma Koili. In the morning he hears my voice. Boiker Erech Loch Vatsapeh. I will arrange my tefillah before you and look to you in the morning. I think what chat in this is, it sounds a bit odd. So you're telling me Mincha is a special time, Mariv is a special time, and Shachris is a special time. I think a very simple lesson to all of us is each of them has their challenges. Mincha is hard during the middle of what you're doing to stop in the middle of your day and take time off to daven. It's difficult. Mariv is hard. You've just been through a long day. All you feel like doing is sitting down and relaxing for a bit and you've got to go and daven Mariv. So, um, or you're ready for bed and you've still got to daven Mariv. So that's Marib. And Shachris, it's hard to get up and get going in the morning and also sometimes to get going to go daven Shachris when you've got a big day ahead of you is very hard. So each of the tefillahs have different challenges, but each tefillah has a special dimension and a special reason why we should put effort into davening it properly. Amr Bichalbo Amr Avuna kol hanenu misudas chasan va'einu masamcha over b'chamisha koilas. Anyone who enjoys the wedding feast and he doesn't bring joy to the chasson, he transgresses five koilas. Don't know exactly what it means, transgresses five koilas, but he five special concepts he, he uh, transgresses. Shinemar, as it says, kol sason v'kol simcha, kol chasson v'kol kala, kol oimrim hodu es Hashem tzvokos. All those koilas, a kol, every time it says kol, it's showing the different ones. There's the kol of sason, of simcha, of chasson, of kala, of 
if he does bring joy to the chassan and kala, what is his reward? He merits Torah, which was given through far voices. As it says, in the morning of the third day, while it was still morning on the third day, he lost. There were sounds. That's two, that's plural. And uh, lightning, and the cloud was very heavy over the mountain. This is speaking about, this is a description of Matan Torah. The call shofar, the sound of the shofar, that's the third one. Etc., etc., and there was another sound of the shofar, fourth one. And Hashem answered them in a voice, a, a fifth one. So we see that there are five koilos that the Torah was given with, and if you misamach, you bring those five koilos into the world, you merit Torah, which was brought into the world through five koilos. It says, Then what about, there's a sixth and a seventh koil. It says, no, those koilos would be four matan Torah. It's as if he offered someone who brings chosan to a bride and groom, it's as if he offered a korban Torah. It says, that, that possibly read, he brings a toida to the house of Hashem. Rav Nachman by Yitzchak Omer Ki'ilu Bono Alchas Mechubas Yishlaim. It says if he built one of the ruins of Yishlaim, some say that refers to the base of Midrash. And Neimar Ki Ashevesh Shvus Ha'aretz Kibrishoyna Omer Hashem. As I will return the settlement to the land, says Hashem, etc. These psukim are all connected. They're all from the same psukim, and therefore they're all referring to this discussion of Kol Simcha, Kol Chosun, Kol Kala, etc. Um, another teaching of Rabbi Chalbo Amar Avuna: Call Adam Sheish by Yiras Shemaim Dvar of Nishmaim. Anyone who has Yiras Shemaim, his voice, his words are heard. Shenemar or listen to. Shenemar it says Soif Tovar Akol Nishma. At the end, this is the famous thing of in Koheles. At the end, it's all heard. Es Elokim Yirov Goimar, the one who fears God. Mike is there, call Adam, and says, This is what man's about. So Amar Rebilazor, Rebilazor says, What does he mean? Yiras Hashem is what it's about. Being a God-fearing person is the, the bottom line. You're waiting for the bottom line. That's being a, bottom, the, a Yore Hashem, a God-fearing person. So what does it mean? This is all. It says, The whole world was created for this person, this Yore Hashem. No, this God-fearing person is equal to the whole world. And Rabbi Shum ben Azai, Oymer v'Omri lo, Rabbi Shum ben Zayma, Oymer, some say it was Rabbi Shum ben Azai, some say it was Rabbi Shum ben Zayma, Kola Oylem kulo lo nivra elelet savois zeh. The whole world was only created to accompany this person. I, the whole world needs this Yorei Hashem, and that's why we find all hundreds of other people and the creations and the animals for food and the trees and the plants. It's all to accompany this Yorei Hashem. Okay, they different levels, subtly they different levels, different praises and malas of a Yorei Hashem. But the bottom line is, the world is created or is equal to the whole creation. If you know that your friend always gives you shalom, you should try greet him first. Shenemar is the positive. Says, seek out peace, seek out greetings, peace for and pursue them. If he gives you. If he pray, if he greets you and you don't return the greeting, then you're a thief. Shneimar, as the pasuk says, "Vatem biartem akerim gezela saani bedevosechem." Okay, you have uh, eaten from the vineyard and you've stolen from a poor person your house. 
Now the drosh, the explanation of this possible Rashi points out very clearly, says, what do you mean you've stolen from a poor person? It's theft, whether you steal from a poor or a rich person, a poor or rich person. And never mind that, there's nothing to steal from a poor person. She says, no, that's what I want. All you can steal is the greetings and the encouragement that you normally give him. So that's where we see that stealing, if you don't greet someone, return a greeting or make an effort of greeting people, that's stealing from a poor person. That is, that's the only thing that's stealing. Okay, and we'll leave it there for today. Yeah. 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 And I'll see you tomorrow.